At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Ladies and gentlemen, another edition of Thursday Coast. But for a change today, not in the person of Marcos, for whom Daily Coast is named, in the person of Daily Coast's senior staff writer covering the January 6th probe, Brandy Buckman joins us now. So I guess we'll call this Thursday Brandy. Uh, <laughs> that'll work <laughs> brandy how are you i'm very good very good thanks so much for having me today you know it's an honor to have you and 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 we've been reading your work and following you and um marcos uh practically talks about you as a as a prodigy really i mean he just oh, brags, so nice. brags about you all the time and folks once again uh, uh, you know we w- one of the reasons we don't just Feature Daily Coast Weekly and more than that because we've known each other for years, but because this is really good and in-depth journalism, the, the cable news networks are confined to sound bites. And if mm-hmm. you want some really objective, in-depth journalism from a perspective that we need to hear and see and read and understand, it ought to be this one. Even some of the mainstream corporate media spends things in ways that have become tiresome. So please support Daily Coast. Become a part of the Daily Coast community at dailycoast.com. So, uh, Brandy, let's start yeah. generally speaking. Sure. These hearings... Do you think they're having an effect on the public or do you think it's just still we're still kind of preaching to the choir? You know, I know that there were some stats that came out yesterday or the day before on polling, and I believe it was six in 10 Americans uh, think that the hearing is necessary and think that Trump should be held to account uh, and that they otherwise approve of what the committee is doing. And I think that one of the things that sort of sets this apart is just simply the way that the committee is uh, populated by the people who are running it. You know, typically in these congressional hearings, um, there's a lot of uh, grandstanding. There's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of interruption because you have uh, usually very tense divisions between Democrats and Republicans on whatever committee it is. And I used to cover 
committees very regularly. Um, but this one is different. And I think because of the way that they're presenting it, it does seem that it's penetrating. And we saw with the first hearing, I think Nielsen ratings had it at 20 million viewers, and that was not even including what uh, was being streamed online. You know, whether or not this will have an impact on people in the long run, that remains to be seen. But I think that they're doing the best possible job that they can to present you know, existing information that we've known, new information. And I, I also will say that I, I appreciate the way that they are sort of weaving this together and telling this story in this particular order. I think that makes it a lot easier for people to follow and not necessarily get lost in something that is a really complex uh, you know, com- complex scheme that was going on. In fact, some of your latest reporting is that there's more evidence coming in, yes, therefore more right. hearings. That's um, right. and, and I know I did just criticize television, but I did see someone on television earlier today say that um, it, 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 the way it's being spread out mm-hmm. is even better rather than everybody yeah. it all just coming at everyone at once. Yes. Uh, people will still pe- some people are still suggest- digesting brandy that first night when it oh, was absolutely. a 20 million. And so two or three others have gone and people are just kind of digesting each mm-hmm. one as they go on. But but you're you're able to confirm there there'll be more hearings on into the summer and potentially beyond. Right. It's correct that we're going to see some hearings in this next month here. The committee, I spoke with someone on the committee this afternoon, uh, and they did confirm that, but they did not have an exact schedule set just yet. They also were hesitant to discuss uh, you know, what the specific topics will be for these additional hearings. And that is purely because, according to the committee aid, uh, you know, they're they're going with the flow of this investigation. They're taking new evidence and information as it comes. And if something takes them into a certain direction, they're going to follow that. And they're going to give the members of their staff and members of the panel itself an opportunity to really, you know, understand what it is that they're looking at and, uh, you know, conduct any other business that might come with that. But you know, I think that there's a pretty good chance we'll get at least uh, two to three hearings in July. I don't know if it'll go beyond that, but I know that the expectation is for them to release their final report uh, in the early fall, late summer for this, you know, for right now. That's what they're planning on. Is it also true that Trump is upset that uh, McCarthy actually didn't participate and have Republicans on the committee to, yes. to intervene and filibuster? Yes. You know, this is one of these um, well, funny things with Trump. He's definitely upset now uh, that the committee doesn't have the people that he wants on it. And, you know, this was this falls completely into McCarthy's lap. McCarthy had an opportunity to appoint uh, a few different people if he wanted to, but he wouldn't negotiate with Speaker Pelosi when they were first trying to set up, well, you know, a, a, a different version of the committee that we now have. And he had put forward lawmakers like Jim Jordan and Jim Banks, people who had voted against certifying the election, people who had a history of making inflammatory or, you know, just flat out wrong comments about the results of the election. And, you know, rightfully so, she didn't want them on the committee because they wanted to get down to the bottom of this and not just essentially give these folks a platform to keep spinning these lies from the former president. And so instead of doing what was probably the politically smart thing to do, uh, McCarthy took his ball and he went home. And now he's in a situation where, you know, uh, Trump is for the moment breathing down his neck and openly criticizing him because of that. 
And I think that they sort of see what the game is. I think that like a lot of folks who watch these committees and or, you know, even rarely tune into congressional hearings when you watch on C-SPAN. I mean, you see what it is. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of showboating. It's a lot of work that doesn't get done in committees. It's a lot of folks just taking their five minutes to talk about something or rail about something. And I think that that was the assumption for Trump probably even going in that he thought somehow, some way, you know, the, this hearing, even with the makeup, he would have been able to, you know, uh, basically get his word in and he has not been able to do that at all and the people who have been trying to get his word in for him on capitol hill you know they're pretty ineffectual in terms of taking down any of the facts that the committee has laid before them you know folks like jim jordan who have been subpoenaed by the committee uh you know would have could have been on it if mccarthy had his way and uh, pelosi didn't stand up to that and say no so it's a very interesting uh, dynamic we have now brewing on the hill. But, but perhaps that was also the incentive not to be on the committee. I mean, mm-hmm. if, if you because Liz Cheney said to us all, right. some of those characters would, would be subpoenaed and would be implicated. That's it, right. And, yeah. and it's kind of be kind of difficult to avoid right. direct testimony, direct subpoena. If you're sitting right up there on the day as Jim Jordan can then yeah. <laughs> be on the day as the exactly. fifth. I don't think that'd be a little awkward, wouldn't it? Exactly. Exactly. So I think that, you know, it's uh, it's kind of interesting to watch him squirm and not have the ability to do anything uh, during the hearing. You know, he's got none of his men are on that panel, so he can't ask them to do anything or manipulate the information that's coming out while it's coming out. You know, what he does after the fact is a different story. But that's why you got folks like myself and others that are trying to (laughs) get through all of the dross. You you lifted up a, a tweet that you tweeted in February recently, uh, quote tweeted it. Folks, it reads, I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you're a senior level staffer for a Republican that may be implicated in January 6th crimes and you were at those meetings or facilitated them, I'd wager safely you're utterly on your own, bub. Get a good lawyer and consider flipping like now. And and so that's important. Again, folks, and, and again, it may seem as though they were just deciding not to participate in it, but some of them were probably afraid of implication. And now we have Ron mm-hmm. Johnson and his staff. That's kind of one of the big takeaways this yeah. week before the hearing later today, Thursday, that that was really interesting that yeah. he would be found participating in something like that. Yeah, it's a really, uh, it is very interesting, this element that has now come out. And as we saw recently with uh, with Barry Loudermilk, the representative that was giving tours to folks on January 5th, you know, this information trickles out and lawmakers say one thing on one day and then more information trickles out and then they say another thing on another day. And Ron Johnson spun around pretty quick uh, yesterday and was very inconsistent with his responses about, you know, what, why was he involved in trying to pass off these, uh, you know, so-called Trump elector slates to Pence on the day of the joint session on January 6th. And then when reporters followed up with him and they asked him about it, you know, he was aware that they got the package and somebody wanted them to deliver it. And they reached out to Pence's office. It was a staff to staff exchange. That's what he said. And then that story kind of changed a little bit over the course of the evening. And he said, you know, oh, well, we don't know who did it. I don't know who got it. You know, he doesn't know anything. So it's one of those situations where 
I'm very curious as to uh, what will happen next. And the committee has not said definitively whether or not it's going to ask him to participate in the probe, you know, voluntarily or through subpoena. Um, they did subpoena five other Republican lawmakers, Jim Jordan, as we we're talking about, included. Um, and they all refused to go along with it. And the committee last we left, last we left off on this, excuse me, a couple of weeks ago, the committee felt like, you know, we're not going to push on trying to get these subpoenas just yet. Uh, and some of the reported reasoning was that they were concerned about how that subpoena power might be used against them once or if, you know, if Republicans were to take over the House again. And so it's already kind of a tricky situation with trying to subpoena sitting congressmen because they have a lot of uh, essentially like immunity from stuff like this. But, um, you know, it's not over yet. And I think that depending on what they get, you know, they like they've said and I think like they've indicated, which is the most important thing is what they've proven with their action is that when they get new information, they keep following that. You know, back when uh, Ginny Thomas's name first came up and we first started hearing about these emails that she was sending to John Eastman, uh, Trump's attorney who authored the six point strategy to overturn the election. Uh, you know, the 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 chatter was uh, we're not going to call Ginny Thomas in because we don't want to deal with that. We want to let somebody else deal with that. It could become a, you know, a, a, a political liability, essentially trying to drag her into this. And we have the Supreme Court involved and stuff like that. But then as more court records started to come out in John Eastman's case against the committee where he's trying to hide records uh, and he's got this court case going on right now in California, um, you know, more information came out and the committee changed course and they said, okay, you know what, actually we, we do want to do this. So all the chatter that I had been hearing was essentially undone uh, pretty quickly. So I think that's an indicator that the committee is willing to go where they feel like they have strong information. They're not going to do anything. I don't believe personally, um, that is on a whim or on a lark, or they're not certain. They understand the gravity of the situation that they're in, and they also understand that, you know, any slip-up here uh, can be used against them by just, you know, Trump, by everyone on the right, and I think that you've got a lot of very dedicated people and very meticulous people who are well aware of that. Back to Ron Johnson for a moment or two, yeah. Brandy. Yeah. What you just described in terms of him not knowing where the names mm -hmm. came from and all, that's that's the the kremlin tactic isn't it the fog of unknowability that's what <laughs> i think that's what that's yeah. called uh yeah. we don't know where it came from and and trump mastered it. he went to that took those classes <laughs> on the fog of unknowability and then you mentioned jenny thomas so they've asked her to appear correct so I don't think that that has been confirmed yet, that they've definitively asked her to appear. I think that they said they were interested in sources were reporting this, that it was uh, anonymous sources saying that they were interested in talking to her. They had considered talking to her. And then she had made a comment um, publicly saying that she was willing to talk to the committee. You know, she essentially had nothing to hide. She was willing to come forward. But the last that I've left on that is it's all kind of up in the air right now and happening you know behind the scenes all right so so that's still up in the air at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day to find out more, 
visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Will we hear more from Ivanka, Jared, or other family members in this process, do you think? You know, I think it's possible. The committee has been very good at keeping their cards close to the chest before the hearings and kind of piecemealing out which depositions uh, or recordings from depositions that they've taken that they're going to show. But given that the next few hearings coming up are expected to focus on things like the time inside of the Oval Office, it was 187 minutes that Trump did not respond while the uh, Capitol was under attack. You know, there were a lot of people that came came in and out of that office or were were around him at that time, including Ivanka Trump. I believe, if my memory serves, uh, she had uh, visited him at one point during that time, essentially asking him to quell the violence. Uh, And so I think that there's a good chance that we could see more depositions from folks like Ivanka or Jared um, talking about what they saw or what they witnessed. For today's hearing, there will be um, some more information, more depositions shared from Bill Barr's time talking with the committee. And we've seen a a bit of that already. And uh, I think it'll be interesting to see what else comes out. But I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see other folks in the mix here. Some some of what we've seen has not been surprising. We already kind of knew about it. But you're right. The committee has kept things so close to the vest mm-hmm. that there have been things that have been absolutely revelatory. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've got a list of things. But as one who's there every day, what has in these past few hearings, what in, in the in the few that there have been two or three what what has stood out is most revelatory and compelling to you? I think overall, one of the most compelling aspects of what the committee has presented so far has been some of the details that they brought up. I think it was on that first or second hearing where they talked about the big ripoff and how a lot of this money that Trump was raising and his campaign was raising basically on the premise of the big lie, saying that there was fraud in the election and they needed help for their legal defense fund. I mean, it's something like $250 million that did not go towards that legal defense fund that went toward um, PACs that belonged to Mark Meadows, PACs that belonged to Trump. It went to Event Strategies uh, Incorporated, I believe, which was the company that helped organize the rally at the Ellipse. So this is a question um, that really is just kind of right at the front of my mind is where did all this money go um, and was it potentially fraud that was taking place in the process? And I think that the committee has said, you know, there's a potential for criminality there. And so I'm, I'm very interested to see how that turns out. One of the other details that I thought was really kind of stark and jarring and kind of put this event that happened more than a year ago now into fresher perspective 
was the information about just how my, how close Mike Pence came to rioters in the Capitol that day. You know, everyone was under the impression there for a while that it was about 100 feet, which is real close to begin with, you know, uh, between you and a mob when you think about it. But in fact, it was even less than that. It was 40 feet. Um, the only reason why, in my opinion, things went in the direction that they went, which was positive, was because of Eugene Goodman, right. the officer who had the you know quick enough thinking to get the crowd going in the direction. But that, to me, just goes to show um, really just how much on a nice edge everything was on that day. And also, you know, it, it remains that way. There's still people sitting in Congress today that either had a hand in the attempted overturn or have a vested interest in seeing Trump return to office in 2024. Right, right. And so I think that it's like we can't ever lose sight of really how close that how close things got to being even worse than they were and you know that sticks with me quite a bit every day. Yeah, I agree with you on the, on the court of a of a billion that was um that came out and one of the things Marcos and I disagree on and and you probably had the same conversations with him. He feels like it, it, this, it, it, the people who are with Trump are with him. This will not move the needle for them. But I disagree with Mark. I said, Mark, let me tell you something. If you were one of those people who gave into that quarter of a billion dollars, contributed to that. Right. And you're finally faced with the reality that that money was pocketed mm-hmm. and went toward nothing that you were ginned up to think it was going toward. Even if it's one, two or three percent. Some of the people will be like, ho, ho, wait, just time out. You mean to tell me <laughs> I sent yeah. this dude some money? Because now they yeah. probably wouldn't know the same things. And you're asking, Brandon, wait a minute. I'm kind of curious. Where did that money go? Where is what is it being used for today? Yeah. And, and that's you know, a lot of money. It is. It is a ton of money. And the thing like I, I understand both perspectives, to be perfectly honest. But I'm also a person who has people in her life who are diehard Trump supporters. Okay. Um, and so like, I've definitely dealt with this for a while now, and I've come to terms with certain things about what can or cannot penetrate with folks. But I will say, I will say this, and I've said this to other folks in different interviews too, because I, I, it really stuck out to me after George Floyd was murdered and we had the protests all over the country and we had protests here in DC and Trump basically sicked his dogs on people that were outside of the White House at Lafayette Square. Um, a couple of days after that had happened, I was out interviewing people, covering the protests that were ongoing. And I had come across this man who was all by himself. And he was a, a, a middle-aged white guy all by himself. And he was cleaning off graffiti from a wall. And I asked him what he was doing. And I was just curious because all he had was a rag and a bucket. And we got to talking and I ended up interviewing him for a story. But the long and short of it was this, you know, this was a guy who had voted for Trump. He was a veteran. He was a Republican his whole life. He was down with everything Trump had said or done until that moment. And I asked him why. Why did it suddenly change? And for him, it was because he could not reconcile the idea of Americans being seized on and attacked just by expressing their First Amendment when he had spent time overseas protecting these ideals. And, you know, he meant it. We had a nice conversation. And I asked him, you know, would you ever would you ever come around again to him if he cleaned it up, if he cleaned up his act? 
And he basically said no. You know, that was the that was the the straw from over the camel's back for him. And so I think that you have to remember that people change, things change. Uh, there's always an opportunity for the the dynamic to be different, for the conversation to to change. Uh, I try not to place too much too much assumption. And what people will or will not do, and largely because it makes me very cynical, and I try not to be as, you know, terribly, terribly cynical. But I do understand, and I think it, it is true. There will be a lot of people this just will not matter. But you cannot worry about those people. The people that you have to worry about, in my opinion, are the folks who are right on the middle. And they're not really quite sure what to do with all of this. And they feel like, you know, maybe I like this guy, or maybe I like certain ideas, but I really don't like other things that he's done and that's where i think the fight really is to get folks to see you know the truth and to see what this man is really about and to see how much he tried to take from every single person in this country when he tried to overturn the election just one other revelatory moment for me was tuesday this Mm -hmm. week when uh, raffensberger was testifying and he was asked about trump losing and how he was able to confirm that he lost and, and you may have known this, but I didn't. He talked about the thousands of Republicans that did not vote for president, but voted for other Republicans on the ballot. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was in Georgia. That was pretty compelling. So wait a minute. What was going on? And and the number of Republicans, I think he said it was in the 30,000 range. I mean, three times the 11,000 he was trying to make up. So right. th- that also speaks to there being some critical mass of folk out out here who who just aren't feeling Trump, even in his own party. Yeah. I mean, like, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think that we're, we're in a scary time right now. I'm not convinced that 2024 is going to be Trump free. You know, I, I personally think he's going to run. I don't nobody can convince me of that different until it's all over. But like, uh, you know, I think that we're in this time period where. We have people that are far away enough from the end of the Trump administration, and we've had all this stuff come out that it's folks like that, you know, the folks that we're not accounting for, that we cannot count them out just yet. The reality is, like, voting is a numbers game. Representation is a numbers game. You need people. So you cannot just, you know, write off a whole group of people and say, oh, it's completely impossible to get through to them. you got to just keep trying, at least from a person in my position where it's like, you know, I'm just trying to get some information out and help folks kind of shape their understanding of this. And so for everyone else, it's, you know, uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's smart to make really big general assumptions about the voting blocks because right. everything can change in a dime. You know, lastly, Brandy Bugman, Thursday hearings today, you mentioned Barr is going to figure in. It, it, we'll hear more from him. What else can we expect to hear in yeah, today's so today, hearing? Today is going to be a big focus on how Trump tried to effectively capture the DOJ and have folks that were there help him overturn the election. We're going to be hearing from three witnesses. We'll have the former acting attorney general, Jeffrey Rosen. We'll have uh, his assistant, Richard Donahue. And then we'll have Stephen Engel, who's a former assistant attorney general for the Office of Legal Counsel. And essentially what they're going to tell us is You know, how Trump tried to get the DOJ to publicly state that there was election fraud. We're going to hear a little bit about his crony, Jeffrey Clark, who is uh, another uh, higher up at the DOJ. 
and who pleaded the fifth, would not, you know, really cooperate with the committee, didn't want to talk to the committee. And we're going to hear a little bit about his role and what he was doing to try and pressure folks like Rosen on Trump's behalf uh, to say, to have the DOJ say publicly that there was widespread fraud or to have states in certain states say that there was widespread fraud in their elections where there was none. And one of the only reasons why um, I think that we didn't have a complete takeover of the DOJ by Trump at that time was because of men like Rosen and Donahue and Angle. Uh, So we're definitely going to be hearing about that element of it today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So, folks, we will be finding out more today in the days to come. And we invite you to follow Brandy Buckman on Daily Coast. Brandy with an I, B-U-C-H Buckman. And also follow her on Twitter as she's live tweeting and updating things as they happen. Brandy underscore Buckman on Twitter. Brandy, hopefully this will not be the last time we talk uh, thank you for your uh, expert coverage and your being so close to everything and staying in depth on it. And really, folks, uh, you all should check out Brandy and and Brandy. Please keep up the great work. We need you. Oh well, thank you so much. I need you guys too. So I appreciate everyone engaging and following and reading along. It really means a lot. Wonderful. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.